Bibles and open them to Psalm 42. Psalm 42. I'm really, really excited about the series that we're going to start tonight. Um, I've been preparing mentally for this for years, um, this series. This is something that I've wanted to preach about for a long, long time. And I've been thinking about this for months, uh, what topics I was going to preach during this series. And I think if I were to choose one sermon series that I've preached, I went back and looked at some of the old sermon series that I've preached. Obviously, the majority of them have been through books of the Bible. Um, This one is not one of those. Now, of course, each one of them is going to be Scripture-rich. It's going to have a lot of Scripture in it, the practical Scripture that we can apply to our life. However, they have been verse by verse. They have been expository messages. This series is not like that. Um, This series is going to deal with topics that you deal with on a daily basis basis. And I believe that this series is completely tailored to each one of you and specifically your culture. I think that at the end of this thing, I could write a little mini booklet. I might end up doing this. I'm not a writer, but I think this could be turned into a small book um, to give to teenagers, to give to some friends, because it is a, a serious perspective on the struggles that you guys go through every day, and we're going to tackle one of the biggest struggles that you have, so you can go ahead and put it up there. Um, The title of our sermon series is There is Hope. There is Hope. Um, This is something I've been thinking about for a long time, and my uh, really the purpose of it is it's a search for purpose and meaning in an aimless world, a search for purpose and meaning in an aimless world. Some of you are writing that down. You'll see this again plenty of times. Uh, But thank you for those of you that brought your notebooks and stuff. It'll certainly be a help to you if you take notes through each one of these. Now, before we even jump into the first thing that we're going to talk about, we're going to kind of lay the groundwork. Let's read this again. Let's all look up here. I might have lost you already in the introduction, but I promise this is going to be very applicable to your life. This is going to be stuff that you definitely struggle with. It is a search for purpose and meaning in an aimless world. Now, we might even struggle with defining the words purpose and meaning. So we need to do that first, right? What is purpose? What is purpose? Okay, maybe I just won't even take answers for these, okay? What is meaning? Think about these as I ask them. What is the difference between purpose and meaning? I think if you could wrap your, wrap your mind around what the difference is between purpose and meaning, it's going to change your life forever. This is something I've been thinking about for months. Because I started on this journey of thinking, okay, what is the difference between having a purpose in my life and finding meaning in my life? There is a difference. Okay, If you look it up in the dictionary, these words don't mean totally different things. But they are totally different when it comes to our spiritual life. So when you think about your spiritual life's purpose, this is kind of how I like to think of it. I'm not even going to give you a definition for the word purpose and the word meaning. This is why I don't want your definitions of it, because this is what the framework of each sermon, I want you to think through it like this, okay? Purpose is a mountain. Purpose is a mountain. You're like, man, this is pretty esoteric, Pastor Scotty which means I won't even define that. It means like it's so far out there that it doesn't even make sense. Okay, so purpose is the mountain. Think of that in your mind. Think of a large mountain in your mind. Okay, that is purpose. Meaning is a waterfall at the top of the mountain, right? Uh, the, the waterfall at the top of the mountain is the whole reason that you would climb the mountain. So think of, think of meaning as the reason that you climbed the mountain anyway. Okay, so purpose ultimately leads to meaning, but let me tell you this, 
Purpose does not always lead to true meaning. What do I mean by that? You can have purpose without having any meaning in your life. Okay, some of you are still confused because you don't understand what I'm saying. All right, so let me explain this a little bit. Okay, so Evelyn. Evelyn could have a purpose in her life. Okay, Evelyn has purpose. Let's say Evelyn wanted to be a veterinarian. Okay, she, she had a purpose and she was driven in her life and she wanted to be a veterinarian. Okay, let's say that she went to college for the four or six years. I don't know. How long? I'm just kidding. You're not, you don't actually want to be a veterinarian. So anyway, she wants to go to college for it. Maybe six years. I don't know how long it takes to become a veterinarian. But let's say she goes through life with a vigor, a purpose after being a veterinarian and she finally becomes a veterinarian. But then, once she reaches what she thinks is the goal, she has attained her purpose, she has now become a veterinarian, what if she hates it? There's no meaning. Okay, so she has fulfilled her purpose that she thought she should have, but at the end of all of it was no happiness, no joy, no meaning. What is the problem with your and my culture? They have purpose... Maybe. We'll talk about that. We're going to talk about a a, a culture that has no purpose in a moment. That leads to depression and suicidal thoughts. But right now, we're going to talk about the fact that many of you are going to have a purpose in life. Many of you are going to go out there, you're going to set in your mind, I want to do this. And at your age right now, what you might say, I want to do this, that might change five different times, right? Because you're going to go down that road of purpose, you're going to start climbing that mountain, and then you're going to look up the mountain and be like, ah, there's not a waterfall. Right? There's no true meaning in my life for this. This isn't really something I'm going to find fulfillment in, so you're going to change your path. You're going to change your focus. Is this making sense to you guys now? Okay, so the difference between purpose and meaning is that everyone can have a purpose. You can have a reason to live without having meaning. However, a true, joy-filled life that has hope, listen to me, a life that has hope has both purpose, and at the end of purpose, it has meaning. Okay? So at the end of that thing that you are going after is actual fulfillment, is actually something that brings you meaning. Okay, So purpose is something that is kind of physical. right? Purpose is something that you can achieve. Purpose is something that you can get. Meaning is an emotion. Meaning is something that is developed. Meaning is something that is not physical. It is non-physical. It's something that provides something to you that no other being on this earth can have. You can have meaning. Meaning is the waterfall at the top of mountain purpose. I hope you remember that this whole series because that's kind of the groundwork for all of this. Okay? All right, so when you... um, So what happens to a culture? Let's talk about this because this is tonight's sermon. That was kind of the groundwork for this whole series, all right? There is hope. By the way, there is hope, and His name is Jesus Christ. That's what the whole series is about. Okay, we're not, each message is not going to be evangelistic in its, in its tone. But just know this, if you've not come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, your life will not have meaning. It will not have true meaning. You, your life might have purpose. You might think what I'm doing right now is profitable. What I'm doing right now will eventually make me happy. But you will never have meaning without the person of Jesus Christ. You just won't. So what happens to a culture that has no purpose? Ah, Man, what happens when a person loses their purpose in life? What happens when there's no reason to live anymore? We get suicidal thoughts. We get a depressed culture. When we are not able to see the purpose of our lives, it ultimately brings us destruction. Okay, 
So our culture deals with this, and it might be for many different reasons that we deal uh, with lack of purpose. It might be that our parents gave us everything, so we don't have to work for anything. So there's no purpose to work for. I mean, there's no reason to do anything. Um, it, it might be that you've had so many struggles in your life that you're like, is life worth living? So look down at your Bible, Psalm 42. Tonight, we're going to talk about something very specific when it comes to your purpose. Look at verse number five. This is David speaking. He says, why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. God's people are not immune to depression. Okay? Depression is a part of life sometimes. And I think sometimes we get in the mindset uh, going down our Christian walk that depression is something that Christians are beyond. But let me tell you this, if you're going through a hard spot in life and you're depressed... In a sense, you're kind of in good company, all right? So I don't want you to feel like this is something you can't talk to people about. I don't want you to feel like this is something that isn't normal because it's very normal. Actually, God's people all throughout the scriptures dealt with depression. You look at Moses. Um, he got so depressed that he actually asked God at one point to kill him. Yeah, Moses, the man who God used greatly, asked God at one point to kill him. You look at the life of Jonah. Uh, Jonah was just used by God greatly. And then at such a menial thing, Jonah says, God, why don't you just kill me? Jonah says, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to live anymore. Jonah dealt with depression. Elijah sat under a juniper tree and asked God if he might die. Paul, uh, he talked much of the despair in his life. And at some points, he wished that God would bring him home. John the Baptist the forerunner of Jesus Christ himself doubted God and got depressed. Charles Spurgeon, we're going out of the biblical terms now, but Charles Spurgeon, uh, what some might consider after Christ to be one of the greatest Christians ever to live, dealt with debilitating, painful, deep depression in his life because of his physical ailments and his spiritual struggles. Churchill, one of the greatest leaders, uh, called his depression a black dog that followed him everywhere he went. So what is the test for depression? You might say, Pastor Scotty, you don't have to say any more. I'm depressed. And depression can come in many forms, right? Uh, depression can come in the form of debilitating depression uh, where you don't want to be around people. Um, you you want to just stay in your room. You want to isolate, right? That's one type of depression. But there's also a type of depression where you are fine with being around people, but at the same time, there is something screaming inside of you saying, I am not okay. And there is an emotional battle going on. This is what I dealt with, by the way, most of middle school and some of high school. I dealt with a, a kind of depression where I was screaming on the inside, wishing something would change in my life because of my circumstances. So why do we get depressed? Uh, what is the test for depression? Have you lost all initiative? In school, I can remember just saying, I don't care. All right, Not in a rebellious way. A lot of you say that in a rebellious way to say, you know what, school doesn't matter. I said, I don't care because there's so much going on in my life right now. I'm like, this doesn't matter to me. I don't care, right? I don't want to put forth the effort of trying these things. Uh, life is already hard enough. Why do I have to do this? Um, do you have repeated, and this isn't a joke, do you have repeated crying spells where you cannot control your crying? Okay, that's a sign of depression. Uh, do you wake up feeling fatigued and you dread to face the day? 
You look at your day and you say, do I even want to do this? So you struggle at waking up. Maybe in the summer we see this more prevalently. Do you feel an aching all over? Do you find yourself thinking about your own death? Do you find yourself contemplating uh, what life and death is? Do you contemplate your own death? Uh, Do you find yourself much of the time irritable and unable to get along with others? Do you find yourself struggling to get enthusiastic about anything? Do you find yourself struggling to get enthusiastic about anything? Right? You, you struggle with getting enthusiastic. You just want to go in a corner. You just want to not talk to anyone. You don't want to get excited about stuff. Do you struggle with depression? How do you conquer depression? Okay, You might say, at some points in my life, I've definitely struggled with depression. And I want to throw completely out of the window all of the, the weirdness about depression right now. How many of you say, you know what? At some point in my life, I think I've dealt with genuine depression and a lack of purpose. Would you raise your hand? That's me. All right, I've dealt with genuine depression, and there's no shame in that, okay? Because you can find, you can put your hands down, you can find hope. That's the only true thing that can dig you out of true depression is hope. So let's notice tonight how David found hope. How did David find hope in one of the darkest moments of his life? Uh, David in this passage had every reason to despair. David had every reason to just go away and never come back and struggle throughout his whole life. Uh, David had just lost his son. His son had just died, just been killed. His name was Absalom. Absalom before this had gone against David and tried and conspired to kill David. So David is now fleeing away from the kingdom that he is supposed to be the king of. Then Absalom, his son, dies. Someone kills Absalom. And he goes through this big struggle. And he asks God at one point, uh, would to God that I would die instead of Absalom. God, uh, Lord, let me die in his place. David lost his wealth. David lost his power. David lost his home. He lost his financial support. He lost his family. On top of that, he had just sinned against God. One of the greatest sins that we see in the scriptures with Bathsheba. And he had a daughter. Uh, after all of this, he had a daughter that was raped. His wife was assaulted. And he had a nation that he was supposed to be the king of that was crumbling around him. David had problems. All right? So don't think in your life, okay, uh, th- there's problems, but uh, there's problems that God doesn't understand. God understands well your problems. God understands what you're going through. And we're going to look at some simple, practical steps that David did in order to get over his depression. And it might be that you need to defeat, you need to finally face your depression tonight. Okay? Maybe your depression is something that you've hidden from. Uh, you've not told anyone about it. That's the way I was. Um, I thought I was being emotionally strong by never talking to anyone about my depression. Maybe you're like that tonight. Uh, I thought I was being tough. I thought I was being a real man by just keeping it all bottled inside and never actually talking to anyone about the fact that I didn't feel like I had a purpose. I didn't feel like I had hope. I was depressed. What did David do in this situation? When facing debilitating depression, first of all, David looked within and he analyzed his heart. Look in verse number five again. The Bible says, Why art thou cast down Oh, my soul, why art thou cast down? Oh, my soul. David asked a question to his soul. This is very important. This is one of the few instances we see soul mentioned like this in the Greek. Uh, Soul means your emotional nature. 
Uh, David was speaking to the seat of his emotions, his mind, emotion, and will. He said, why are you depressed? And I like to think of it like this. One preacher said it like this. I was listening to a message very similar to this by Adrian Rogers, who's a great preacher. He, he spoke of it in a very southern way that David kind of grabbed his soul by the back of its neck and had to hold it out in front of him and say, what's wrong with you, right? You maybe tonight need to grab your soul and put it in front of you and say, what's wrong with you, right? Have you had parents that ask you that? They say, just tell me, like, what's wrong? What's happening in your life? You need to do that to yourself in a sense and say, oh, my soul, why art thou cast down? Why are you depressed? What is wrong with you? David asked that to himself. Uh, David grabbed um, by the back of his neck and picked up in front of him his soul and asked, why are you cast down? Uh, If you ever hope to get out of depression, you must examine your soul. You must examine your heart. Why are you depressed? Paul, uh, David was basically asking, what is, the, what is the reason behind this? And it's important that you note why you are going through struggles. By the way, it's very normal to be hurt by certain situations. Uh, it might be a lost loved one that you fall into depression. It might be a broken heart. Uh, a relationship didn't work out like you wanted it to. It might be parental issues. Maybe your parents are getting divorced. That was one of my biggest struggles. I had problems at home. Maybe your parents are getting divorced, or maybe your parents mistreat you or abuse you. I don't know what it is, but is that the reason behind your depression? Maybe it's because of your sin. Maybe it's because of the sin that no one else knows about, but you know that, uh, that God knows about it, and the guilt is eating you alive, and you are depressed because of that. You can't seem to find a way out of your sin. Uh, maybe it's a lack of meaning and purpose in your life. I don't know what it is. But David asked, God, what is the reason behind this? And you might just have to look inward tonight and say, hey, look, I'm depressed. I'm going to say that I'm depressed, and I need to ask myself, what am I going through that's making me depressed? And maybe you're quickly and you're saying, Pastor Scotty, this, this, and this. That's why I'm depressed. That's great that you know. That's a wonderful thing. By the way, that's half the battle. Because sometimes depression sometimes has no actual reason. And uh, psychology, psychologically, psychologically, there's been studies on what is is this weight of depression. May I say this? I think there's a biblical reason. There is a dark reason behind the depression that comes from nowhere, and I think it's oppression by Satan himself, which can happen on Christians, right? I don't think it's just some reason you get depressed all of a sudden. And maybe you, you do have a chemical imbalance in your brain. That's a real thing. Right? Bipolar is a real thing. You might want to get medicine for that if you have that, because uh, that can make you act a little crazy, uh, and you might get depressed. Right, So th- that's a real thing, but I believe on the other side of that, there's people that, that deal with the spiritual struggle of letting darkness overtake them, and that's why they are depressed. So you must, first of all, like David, look within. He said in verse 5 through 7, Why art thou cast down on my soul, and why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. So he looks inward, then he looks upward. He says, oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and from the Hermonites, from the hill Mizar. Deep calleth unto deep, and the noise of thy thy waterspouts, all thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. He is in a dark, dark place, and he recognizes it, and he analyzes it. His heart. But secondly, tonight, look upward. After you look inward and, and realize the meaning behind your depression, look upward and recognize God's help. Because God is the only one who can get you out. You might be able to watch enough funny videos to make your 
emotional, the seat of your emotions, your soul will be a little bit happier. But guess what? You'll eventually come back, come back around to that depression, and you need to deal with it at its roots. And only God can do that. So you must recognize the help of God. Look at verses 8 through 9. It says, Yet the Lord will command His loving kindness in the daytime, and the night His song shall be with me, and my prayer unto the God of my life. And I will say unto the God my rock, Why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? You may say, people do not understand my depression. People do not understand what I'm going through. And you say, you know what the reason, Pastor Scotty, I don't tell my parents what I'm going through? is because they wouldn't understand. And guess what? A big part of me wants to say they were right where you were. But you might be right. You might be right if you say my parents won't understand. You might be right. You might say, Pastor Scotty, I'm not going to tell you that. I'm not going to tell Miss Allison that. I'm not going to tell Miss Yarba that. I'm not going to tell Brother Trent or Brother Curtis or even my friends because they wouldn't understand what I'm going through. And you might be right. But don't you tell me that I'm not going to tell God about what I'm going through because my God would not understand how foolish. God understands what you're going through. And at the very seat of your emotions, your heart and your soul, God knows exactly what's going on. God knows exactly what you need in your time of struggle. You can push off mankind's help. That's wonderful. That's, that's fine. It's not wise. But teenager, don't ever push off the help of God. You must recognize the only person who can ultimately get you out of depression is God. You can go to therapy. Some of your parents might have sent you through therapy because of some things that you've been through. That's wonderful. But guess what? It's temporal. They can teach you some practices, might get over it temporarily, and a lot of that stuff is very temporal. They might be able to put you on some medication which will numb you. But guess what? Only God can take care of this at its root to recognize His help. I like what Warren Wearsby said about depression. He says, Life is not a problem to be solved, but a mystery to be lived out. I love that. Life is not a problem to be solved, but it's a mystery to be lived out. Don't ever look at your life as a problem. Don't ever look at your life as only a struggle, which by the way, life is work, right? Thank Adam and Eve for that. Life is work, but guess what? That work can have purpose, and ultimately in your life, if you have purpose at the end of those things, if it's centered upon God, your life can have meaning. But let me tell you this, teenager... If you walk out of this building tonight and you turn your back on God, your life might have purpose. But remember this, it will never have true meaning. This is why you see men come back to church at 50 or 60 years old or 70 or 80 years old and say, I never should have left. I lost my purpose. I have no meaning. I'm lost, right? God uses the term lost all the way through Scripture for people that have no purpose in their salvation. We'll talk about that in a moment. God doesn't always let us understand why we go through the things that we go through. So we must trust the who that is with us. That's a profound statement that is not unique to me. Adrian Rogers said that and I stole that. Okay, so write this down. God doesn't always let us understand the why so that we might trust the who. God doesn't always let us understand the why so that we might trust the who. You might know, you might never know why your parents got divorced. You might never know why God let you lose that loved one in your life. You may never know why, which I think you eventually will, why God let that relationship crumble. 
You may never know why you fill in the blank. But guess what? God is with you through each one of those things. You may never know the why, but you can know the who that can guide you through them. God is never absent in your life if you're a Christian. God is not a father that will leave you, which is a comforting thing for those of you that have been through families and divorce. And by the way, I finally did get counsel, and when someone told me that, it dramatically changed my life. There was a man, and I'm just getting open with you guys, I was dealing with thoughts that, that I wasn't wanted. I dealt with that through all of middle school and some of high school, that, that because my dad left, that no one wanted me. I dealt with that. And there was a man that came and preached in chapel one day. He was the interim pastor of our church. And uh, he preached a wonderful message. And after that, they, the students were preaching. And I was one of the guys that went up and preached. And he had preached about identity. He had preached about the fact that we have value in Christ. And I got up and preached. And after I came back and preached, he talked with me for a long time. And I actually opened up with him. And someone came up to me after our talk, which was a profound talk because I opened up to him and said, Look, I'm dealing with, with identity because I, I feel like I'm not wanted. I feel like I'm struggling in life. And someone came up and complimented me on my message. And for some reason, they said something like, Man, you must have come from the son of some preacher somewhere. And that man placed his, arm, his, his hand on my shoulder and he says, I'd claim him. That was a life-changing moment for me, and that was the hand of God. And it wasn't until the moment that I reached out to someone physically that I got spiritual help and realized not only is this man able to claim me, but God is my identity. Christ is my identity, and I have a heavenly Father in heaven that will never leave, never forsake, and never disappoint me. Guys, you might be dealing with something way bigger than I dealt with. You may be dealing with abuse. You may be dealing with a serious identity crisis, but let me tell you this. God knows exactly where you are. God can give you hope. There is hope. You might say as you came down here tonight, you know what? I'm just here. My life is on cruise control. There's no hope in my life. There is hope in your life. So not only do we look upward, we look lastly, we look onward. We look forward to what God has for us for our lives. We realize the hope that God has for us. He says in verse number 10 through 11, As with a sword in my bones, my enemies reproach me, while they say daily unto me, Where is my God? Why art thou cast down on my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise Him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. Hope is a definite assurance. Hope, the definition of hope is a definite assurance. Hope, uh, we often think of biblically, um, and this is more of a definition kind of thing, right? If we say, well, I hope that will happen, we're kind of taking a gamble, right? Uh, I hope I can make it home on E, right? Uh, it says zero miles till E, but I hope I can make it to the gas station, right? Sometimes we think of hope like that. Hope does not mean that in the scriptures. Hope means it's a done deal. Hope means it's a thing that's going to happen. It's a definite reassurance. It's not a gamble. And hope is always possible while you are alive. If you are alive right now, in just a moment, I think everyone is, right? Hold on. Let me make sure. Yeah, everyone, at least your eyes are open, right? If you are alive and your heart is beating right now, there's hope. You want to know why? Because God's still on the throne Christ still died for your sins. 
The gift of salvation is still presented to you if you've not accepted it. And those of you that are Christians, you still have a loving Father that's just waiting for you to run back to Him. That's just waiting for you to make your request. You must look onward. Realize your hope. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. I love this quote by Adrian Rogers. How do we deal with our depression? How do we see the end of the tunnel? Right? I haven't said the quote yet. Don't worry. How do we see the end of the tunnel? Let me tell you this. There's no just one answer to that other than saying it's Jesus Christ himself. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I can't really explain it to you. But if you are a Christian in this room, I can tell you this. There's hope in this word. Maybe as a Christian, you've never really dug your heels deep into studying the Scripture. Maybe you've, really, you, you've never really gotten uh, on your knees and really tried to pray before. But let me tell you this, there is a hope when it comes to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is what the Scripture says, the living hope. Uh, Adrian Rogers said, God can turn your Calvary into an Easter. I love that. God can turn your Calvary into an Easter. God will meet your heart and your soul's needs. You may be down right now. You may be depressed right now. But trust me, you can get up. There is 